0: It. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. We are front and center stage, and I'm not talking about McGregor and Mayweather. I'm talking about the start of the 2017 college football season. Great games on tap today. Oregon State and Colorado State. UMass and Ho- and in Hawaii, San Jose State, and South Florida, and then
1: Rice and Stanford, Rich Sermonella doesn't get better than this. I'm in heaven, baby. Yeah, this is our Christmas morning, right, Joe? I mean, this is what we have worked on all offseason. We've talked about these teams. We've broken down film. We've broken down rosters and depth charts. And although it's an abbreviated schedule, it is a schedule of meaningful football nonetheless. This sort of reminds me of that... First Saturday in December, Joe, you know, you have your Las Vegas Bowl, you have your New Mexico Bowl. We'll see some Mountain West teams, a little Pac-12 football with Stanford and Oregon State. So it's a great way to sort of, it's the appetizer before next weekend's full slate of games. So very exciting that we finally have college football back.
0: Sit back, relax. Rich and I have you covered for the next three hours, 9 to 12 Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific. We're going to go through the four games today. We're also going to take you through the games leading up to September 2nd through Friday, September 1st. At 1024 Eastern Time, 724 Pacific, we'll be joined by J.J. McCleskey, former Tennessee standout and father of Oklahoma State wide receiver Jalen McCleskey. At 1040 Eastern Time, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and Fantasy Sports t- Television, Gabe Morenci. We'll get Gabe's picks about the four games today at 1109 Eastern uh 809 uh, Pacific will be jo- joined by Jordan Westercamp former Nebraska wide receiver will get Jordan's take about Mike Riley and the Huskers at 11:30 Eastern 8:30 Pacific Corey Miner former Notre Dame captain joins us, and then Gabe at 1140, 840 uh, Pacific. He'll be joining us as well to give us his take about the games leading up to September 2nd. I mean, it's jam-packed. This is what it's all about. Full throttle ahead, Rich. I mean, breaking news, I want to say, out of Gainesville will start there, where Jim McElwain has mentioned that he's going to go with three quarterbacks, Malik Zaire, Felipe Franks, and Luke Del Rio, the starter last year. Intriguing developments leading up to their week one game against Michigan
1: yeah Jim McElwain tapping into his inner Steve Spurrier right Spurrier was known for the you know kind of bouncing around with his quarterbacks using more than one inserting different quarterbacks with different strengths and and I you know to me I think it's a negative I, I think if you have more than one quarterback you don't have any I, I mean I thought when you got Malik Zaire that was going to be the answer for Florida might not be the case. And they have a tough opener against Michigan. So whoever is taking snaps, I think, is going to have a very difficult time against that rebuilt but very talented Wolverine defense. Yeah,
0: and when you look at Florida overall last year, they only averaged 128 rushing yards per game and didn't have a rushing touchdown in the last six games of the year. So we'll see how that plays out next Saturday. We're just getting started. Stay with us live from Studio 34. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Cermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Keep it where it is. Back on college football today, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844 843 6879. That's 844 843 6879. You could follow me on Twitter at go to the Two, the number Rich on Twitter at Rich Sermonello. That's C I R M I N I E L L O. Rich, let's jump right into it. First game of the day. It's a, a classic battle. I, I like this matchup. Pac-12, Mountain West. We have Oregon State and Gary Anderson on the road in four Collins taking on Mike Bobo and their quarterback, Nick Stevens. Should be a very intriguing matchup. You have a blue-collar team in Oregon State and a high-octane offense in the Rams. Yeah,
1: it's a big game for Colorado State. I know it's only August the 26th, but for Colorado State, a couple of storylines here. This is... A team that was really hot at the end of last season. Mike Bobo has done a very good job at Colorado State. We've talked about it over the past couple of months. His ability to attract talent, Joe, not just from the Mountain West region, but he's gone back to his old stomping grounds. He's gone back to the Southeast. He's getting talent from places like Florida and Georgia, bringing it up to Fort Collins. You know, we also have a new stadium that's opening up in Fort Collins. That's a big deal for Colorado State, an on-campus facility. Those fans will be pumped up for this game. So Colorado State has generated a lot of buzz this offseason as a potential Mountain West champion. Now they get an opportunity to show it against Oregon State, a team from the Pac-12. And, oh, by the way, Gary Anderson still looking for his first road victory as the Beavers head coach. Oregon State, 13 consecutive losses outside of Corvallis. That's
0: a great point. In 2015, this team was 2-10 and 10 overall. Oregon State and they lost those 10 games by an average margin of defeat of 24 points per game. 4-8 and eight last year, Rich, but they cut it down to 15 points per game that they lost those ball games. Played very well. They beat Oregon for the first time since 2007. Played very well against a blue collar team in Utah. He's got a new quarterback. Juco quarterback Luton comes in, gets the nod over McMarion. I wasn't so sure about that but I think when you look at this offense overall and not a lot of game tape on them so Colorado State doesn't have a real read on what he possesses as a quarterback
1: yeah they're probably pulling out some junior college tape at this point I don't know how effective that will be but for Oregon State traditionally when you think about the Beavers You know, going back to the Mike Riley days, this is a program that was at its best when they could balance, always had good running backs, right? Quiz Rogers, Vincent Bernard over the years. Now they have Ryan Nall, the big running back, who can work it between the tackles. But they need someone who can spread the ball around. and They they need balance on offense. So that's why I think Jake Luton, a bigger quarterback in the mold of a Derek Anderson, he's the kind of player that they need to complement Ryan Nall. So if Nall is healthy and they have a passing attack this is a team that I think could continue to improve Based on last season. They did finish strong at the end of they last did.
0: year. And I think that's the matchup you have to look at play out in this ball game. Can Oregon State run the football effectively on Colorado State's defensive front seven? Last year they allowed eight of thirteen opponents to rush for over two hundred yards. They were two and six in those ballgames and lost those six games by fourteen point eight points per game. So that's the matchup that you want to see play out for Oregon State. Can they run the football between the tackles and wear down Colorado State's defense on the flip side with Nick Stevens, he's going to be going up against a very inexperienced secondary. Three sophomores started, to, uh, slated to start for Oregon State, but this is an offense that rushed for over 200 seven times last year, Rich. They were 7-0 in those matchups and won those games by 21 points per game. Has two big play running backs in Dawkins yeah. and Matthews. We'll see how that plays out later today. Yeah,
1: and again, I, I, I had mentioned a lot during the offseason Nick Stevens, when you look at the numbers numbers in terms of passing efficiency this was a quarterback lost his job early in the season to a rookie colin hill lost his job hill gets hurt stevens comes back makes the most of that opportunity in november he was one of the most efficient passers in the country You talk about the running backs, Joe. How about the wide receivers, right? Michael Gallup, another junior college transfer, comes in last season, has a terrific first year at the FBS level, and they also have a field stretcher in Olabisi Johnson. So a lot of skill position talent for the Rams surrounding Nick Stevens. My concern for Colorado State in terms of not only winning this game but then going forward and competing for the Mountain West is – how much do they get from the defense? Defensively, they have struggled under Mike Bobo. I think they'll have problems again. They have some scrappy players, but nobody who you would say is a bona fide, all-Mountain West-type player. So they're going to score, Oregon State will score. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it'll be very entertaining.
0: And when you, to your point, I think when you look at that matchup with Gallup going up against that secondary overall, if you're Colorado State opening a new stadium, you want to start fast. You want to put the pressure on Luton to see if they can match Nick Stevens' score for score in that battle. I mean, Colorado State is used to opening up against Colorado. To have a game in their stadium week number one is uh, unbelievable for their fan base and actually gives them a benefit in that week two matchup against the Buffaloes. We'll see how it plays out. I'm, I really like Oregon State here for, wow. for the physicality on the offense and defense lines. Wow. I like Ryan Nile, and I think Gary Anderson really has coached that talent up. It will fall on Luton, though. Can he make plays against that defense we'll see how it plays out I think they have to run the football effectively I think Oregon State wins this ball game but I think it's very close I think it's in the area of about four to seven points I could see like a 34-30 ball game Mm -hmm. or even lower scoring 24-20 in
1: that area yeah I I, I have a similar type of a score I have in the in the range of 34 to 28 34 to 30 but I I have Colorado State I just think too much in the favor of the Rams, opening a new building, the enthusiasm surrounding this team. Both teams finished last season strong, at least on the offensive side. You mentioned Oregon State winning the Civil War for the first time in ages. So I think Oregon State will play well. I think they'll impress, but I don't think they'll get the victory. I think their struggles on the road will continue. Again, 13 straight outside of court, 0-13, on their last thirteen outside of Corvallis, so I'll take Colorado State. In this yeah, game.
0: we'll see how that plays out. That's a two thirty start. We'll see. It is in Fort Collins, and I, I want to bring up a point. Any factor of the elevation in that ball game, where uh, if Colorado State jumps up early and forces an up tempo attack, could Oregon State wear down? That's something that you have to keep an eye out for in that always. battle.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that that's always a concern when you're playing in the state of Colorado. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't great in geography. So I, I is is Corvallis flat earth or is that somehow ele- elevated too? I really don't know, but that that's early, that certain that in the weather this time of year it's uh, you it's always, hot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You always have to play out Rich likes Colorado state. I like
0: Oregon state. I think they strike the upset on the road for Gary would Anderson. Would be a big win.
1: That would be a seminal moment. To start the season with a victory on the road against a quality Colorado State team, that would be a seminal win for Gary right, Anderson. And could could build momentum going
0: through Pac-12 play, so yep. we'll see. Play. And when you look at Colorado State overall, this is one of two, uh, three out-of-conference games. They still have to fl- face Colorado, another physical blue-collar team, and then go on the road two weeks later in Tuscaloosa against Alabama mm. and Nick Saban. You have to worry about can this defensive front hold up throughout? I think depth those? is
1: going to be a big issue. I think depth by October with those types of opponents, you better have a good two deep. You better have players who can uh, who can fill the void. That's
0: the concern for Mike Bobo heading into Mountain West Conference play a little bit later in the year. Another intriguing battle. I really like this team. Hawaii on the road against UMass. It's a rematch of last year. UMass got the victory, forty-six to forty in Hawaii. But you're talking about a UMass team last. Year, Rich, that played very well against the big boys. They lost to Florida, Boston College, South Carolina, Mississippi State by a total of 12 and a uh, 50 points or 12 and a half points per game. I mean, they have a solid quarterback in Andrew Ford and one of the best tight ends yep. in college football in
1: Brennerman. They, you know, this is a very intriguing matchup. Uh, week number one. I, I, I think, listen, if you like offense, if, if you want to see an up-and-down type of a shootout, this is a game that will appeal to you. I think both teams will score liberally and not a lot of defense in this game. We saw it last year, as you mentioned, Joe, 46-40. to 40. I love Adam Brenneman. I love his story, too. If, if you want to evaluate a next-level tight end with a storyline, Brenneman is your guy. I mean, Brenneman began his career at Penn State five-star, blue-chip tight end, but then he started to have some injury problems, actually retired from football. And then once he was away from the game for a short period of time, realized he might still have a shot to come back, goes to UMass and had a terrific season last year. So he'll be the favorite target of Andrew Ford. And, you know, Mark Whipple does a good job at UMass. They're limited. They don't have a tremendous amount of talent. They don't have a great recruiting base. But I'm worried about this trip. I know we tend to overstate it sometimes, but going from Hawaii to Massachusetts, that could be a factor in this game for the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I don't see that. I I think Nick Rolovich did a fantastic job last year, 7-7 and overall. They opened in Australia last year, lost to Cal. They followed that up with a trip to the big house in Ann Arbor. They lost that matchup as well, but still managed seven wins and they were minus eight in turnover margin last year. But I like their quarterback and Drew Brown, 19 touchdown passes, four on the ground. He's got a solid wide receiver, sophomore Ursua that really stepped up. I like Hawaii in this matchup, but we'll break it down a little bit in next segment. Stay with us, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We're just getting started live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Week one of the college football season. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Talking a little Hawaii, UMass, Rich. I like this game. This game really intrigues me for a couple of factors. I'm high on Hawaii uh, this year. I picked them to win the Mountain West, their division, them to, and New Mexico to face off in the championship game a little bit later in the year. But I like what Rolovich has done. He's brought offensive balance back to the program, rushed for 162 yards on the ground last year, over 200 through the air. I like Drew Brown as a quarterback. I think he's an athletic quarterback, and his ability to stretch UMass' defense vertically today could be the difference, coupled with the fact even though it is a trip to the mainland, we're not talking about the Big House or Ohio State. This is UMass. Expect five, 10,000 fans at this
1: game. It's McGurk Stadium. Are you, are you <laughs> suggesting this isn't the equivalent of the horseshoe, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I think if you're, a, if you're a hardcore fan of college football and you want to dig into some teams that normally you're not going to watch. I mean, on a typical Saturday, you're not going to be able to see UMass or you're not going to see Hawaii. But I think that's the beauty of this abbreviated schedule is teams like the Minutemen teams like the Warriors now they get center stage and and to your point about Rolovich I think he did a fantastic job last year he's a he's an alum right I mean he was a quarterback at Hawaii. And this is a program for people who don't know has been cash strapped for a number of years. There's been talk recently, especially towards the end of Norm Chow's era, that this program may have become defunct. So for Nick Rolovich to breathe life into it, I think is a fantastic job that he's done, especially for such a young coach. But I do think this trip is difficult. I think to me, to, to make this lengthy trip into UMass, it's going to be a little bit of a sleepy environment. You know, the Minutemen can score. I mentioned Adam Brenneman. Uh, Andrew Ford is a quarterback that I really like. I think he's a, I think he wins the matchup with uh, with Drew Brown. Um, you love Hawaii this year. Do you love them enough to learn how to pronounce uh, every name on the roster? Absolutely not. Because no, I, 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 I will challenge them. you, my friend. I will challenge I would butcher them. You know that
0: in every way, shape, or I form. I would pay to see you butcher yeah, them. I, well, <laughs> I will say this. I think they have a speed advantage over UMass in this matchup. Now, I think both teams will come into this game with confidence. They played a very good game last year uh, in Hawaii, so UMass expects to win this game. Hawaii expects to win this game. This is a winnable game for them week number one, but it really comes down to offensive balance for me, and I think that that's where uh, the Rainbow Warriors do have the advantage, and I like what Rolovich has done in terms of a a scheme, not just offensively, but defensively. He's got some solid talent on the defensive front seven. They've been uh, better in run support over especially at the end of the season, so I think that's what will play out. I'll say this about UMass, though. Their moving from the MAC to an independent really hurt this team last year. I mean, look at the teams that they played, Rich. I mean, three SEC teams. I mean, you're going to wear down no matter who you are, let alone a MAC team moving as an independent.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could say that they were battle-tested, but but I understand your point. You could also suggest that this team has been beaten up, and they're not going to have depth at UMass. I mean, this is a borderline FCS program at this point. In terms of balance, we've talked about the UMass passing game. I really like Marquise Young. Marquise Young, the running back from UMass, has been productive over the past couple of seasons, will help bring balance to that offense. They have some scrappy defenders. The one guy on Hawaii defensively, Jelani Tavai, the linebacker, was outstanding last year. I mean, he was a tackling machine. He'll be back this season. I think the game will model a lot of what we saw last year, up and down, high scoring, close to the end. I say edge to the home team, Take the over in this game. Ooh. Take UMass. I, I think UMass wins this game outright. Well,
0: I think it will be an over because of the quarterback play, especially at the early part of the year when you look at Ford and you look at Brown. I mean, they're consistent quarterbacks. I think that, that will carry through in this matchup. But I like, I like Hawaii here. I think they win this ballgame anywhere from 10 to 13 points. They're an underdog now. They they moved to a favorite early part of the week. Uh, last week, they're back as an underdog in this matchup.
1: I like Hawaii to win this game by 10 Joe to, Lisi now. Now... Going with the road team in back-to-back yes. back yes. picks. Back to Joe the, likes um, the road warriors. Yes. Wait
0: until we until we get to we get to we get to. Yes. Bringing back the days of Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang. Oh, I love Colt Brennan. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. I like I like Timmy Chang. I, yeah. uh, Timmy Chang was a
1: Timmy uh, Chang was a little more of a system quarterback. Colt Brennan, I thought, you know, he had a shot with the Redskins bounced around a little bit, but Colt was a kid. Colt Colt had some off-field problems. He got his act together, and that was something I was very proud of. Till
0: he till he faced the Bulldogs in the, in the yeah. ball game. Yeah. Yeah, that was a sugar Bowl?
1: Yeah, sugar Bowl, yeah. yeah, they
0: dominated yeah. Thomas Brown. That Thomas hurt. Brown. That hurt every every
1: every non AK. Well, I was team a Georgia fan, so yeah. you know yeah.
0: I'm a Georgia fan. So Thomas Brown ran wild in that matchup. Let's kick gears. Let's let's talk about South Florida and Charlie Strong, San Jose State, new head coach there, and Brennan that comes over from Oregon State. All eyes on Quentin Flowers. This was a quarterback last year that. Passed for 24 touchdowns, rushed for 18 touchdowns last year. Over 1,500 yards rushing, average over five yards per carry. This was a team in South Florida that was 11 and two last year. There are only two losses to Florida State and Temple. Rich, those teams were 20 and seven Mm. overall. A lot of people talking about South Florida as a possible playoff contender, dark horse, or a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, we we have to see how this game plays out, but all eyes on Quentin Flowers and the Bulls in this ballgame. Yeah,
1: all eyes on Quentin Flowers, plenty of eyes on Charlie Strong. We know what happened with Charlie during his Texas stint. Didn't go well at all. In fact, he flopped. I was surprised. I think he's a terrific head coach. And I think I'll have a chance to prove it now in Tampa. This is a lot closer to... You know, the recruiting territory that he's accustomed to. He knows the Sunshine State very well. I think Charlie can still get it done. This is tailor-made for him to bounce back from a career perspective. You know, South Florida is going to be favored every game, beginning with this one against San Jose State. And in terms of, you know, you talk about fringe, fringe playoff contender, certainly a contender for a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. But how about Quinton Flowers kind of getting on the cusp of Heisman contention? He'll have the numbers, could be the leader of a team that runs the table. I'm concerned that they don't have a, a quality opponent, On the schedule, Illinois is the most recognizable non-conference game that they'll play. But for for folks that haven't watched South Florida, lots of speed, not just Quinton Flowers. Dearness Johnson now takes over at running back. He's finally getting an opportunity to be a feature guy. So this is the first opportunity to see a team by by many accounts, including my own, I think this is the best group of five team heading into 2017. Well, that's a great point. And you talk
0: about the atle- athleticism. Like Lamar Jackson, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in college football, 42 total touchdowns last year. The absence of leading rusher Marlon Mack, though, will be uh, a concern for this team. And this is a team in South Florida that rushed for over 200 yards rich in 12 of their 13 games. The only game they didn't was in the loss two Temple, 162 Two yards on the ground so if you're Charlie Strong you want to run the football in this matchup San Jose State last year allowed 247 rushing yards to opposing offenses now this is a team in San Jose State that does have 15 returning starters coming back and a very experienced secondary it's a senior secondary they allowed 186 passing yards per game over the last couple of years this has been one of the best passing defenses in In college football, I think if you're going to get San Jose State's best effort, it comes week one. I think this is a lot closer than people think. But Charlie Strong and the crew get the victory, but by narrow, narrow margins.
1: I say this game could be 10, 13 Hmm. points tops. Do you think they overlook San Jose State? Do you think there's a possibility? I mean, you're going from Tampa. I, I don't mean to bring up travel again. but You're going from Tampa to San Jose. It's unfamiliar territory. They realize it's not the sexiest opponent. This is not a team that traditionally even gets to bowl games. Is there a chance that South Florida is somewhat overlooking San Jose State going into this matchup?
0: I think so. I think also when you look at South Florida, they feel they have the speed advantage. I think when I look at this matchup, though, breaking it down, you have two new head coaches. Charlie Strong, an experienced head coach, but he has to understand how that talent responds in game situations. He won't find that out until week number one. When you have a new head coach that's a young guy, he's 30, 31 years old, he's gonna take chances. And I think that he recognizes this is his chance to build momentum, especially at home. And not a lot of people giving them a shot in this ball game. And when you have experience on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's what you have to really build upon in terms of a game plan and take away the long ball for Quentin Flowers.
1: Well, I, I mean, a couple of things that you brought up that I want to kind of uh, dovetail off of. Number one, I, I think it's interesting to watch Brent Brennan. I mean, he has a bright future, but I don't know what to expect from a coach who is a head coach for the first time. I, I mean, this is going to be an interesting ta- challenge to new head coaches, but Charlie Strong has obviously done this for a number of years. Brent Brennan has not. So that's a factor from, from a San Jose, uh, San Jose State perspective. And in terms of the secondary, I'm really happy you brought that up because Andre Chachir is is a player. I've talked to NFL scouts. He is someone that they believe can play on Sundays, and that has been a trend in Silicon Valley. I mean, San Jose State has done, as you wisely mentioned, done a really nice job of building quality secondaries, taking that, you know, uh, B-lister, two- and three-star type players in California – And turning them into quality defensive backs. So that could be a challenge for Quinton Flowers. If that's the case though they'll just take it to the ground. They'll ground and pound San Jose State, and I, I think they'll be able to beat them up at the point well, of attack.
0: Well, that's the, the game plan for San Jose State in this matchup. They lose Kenny Potter, their four-year starter. Josh Love given the nod in this ball game. You're talking about an offense in San Jose State that only averaged 24 points per game. So I don't think they can stand toe-to-toe with Quentin Flowers in this matchup, challenging them score for score. I think this is a lower-scoring game. You look to get the ball first, a time-consuming drive, short to intermediate pass. To keep that offense off the field, and if you could score a field goal or seven points in the first minute or ten minutes of that ball game, now. You have a, you you're in this and you have momentum to carry through. Well, and
1: quickly one one thing I wanted to point out before we go to a break is uh, you know San Jose uh, San Jose State has some issues on offense. South Florida's got a very good defense. I mean, we haven't talked about Deatrick Nichols, Deadrin Sanat, Augie Sanchez, the linebacker. They have some quality players on defense. Had some breakdowns last year, Joe, but a lot of speed should be able to neutralize San Jose State.
0: We'll pick that up after break. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello fantasy sports radio network we're just getting started With our week one breakdown, we were talking Charlie Strong, South Florida, San Jose State. We were talking about South Florida's defense that Rich brought up in last segment. Rich, this was a defense that I think Charlie Strong can coach up, but they do have some concerns. They allowed 488 total yards per game last year, and in-run support, I think, is where they need to get better. They allowed 180 rushing yards to opposing offenses last year. That's going to be the matchup. If San Jose State can run the football and keep Quentin Flowers off the field, that might be the recipe to win this ballgame.
1: I think that'll have to be the recipe, because if you're going to compete, let alone— you know, pull an upset against a very good South Florida team. The way to do that is you can't have Quentin Flowers with the ball in his hands. I mean, that he's deadly. He is such a a he is such a quality all around talent, and he improved as a passer. But I love his vision in the open field when he has the ball and he takes off. It's as if he becomes, he morphs into a running back. And, and so San Jose State has to keep the ball. Out of his hands and really have a, an offense that milks the clock. And I think that's going to be difficult. I like the, I like the middle of the South Florida defense. I, I like I mentioned Adrian Sonat, Bruce Hector, uh, defensive tackle, and Augie Sanchez right up the middle veterans, uh, quick in terms of the tackles, undersized players that could really shoot the gaps and cause problems for Josh Love, who has no starting experience for San Jose
0: State. Yeah, that's a great point. I'll say this about Quentin Flowers, too. And when we compare him to Lamar Jackson, he's a bigger version of Lamar Jackson. I mean, the kid is 10, 15 thick. pounds. Yeah, he's, he's thick. thick. He's yeah. When he's out there in the open field, he is very difficult to bring down. And much to your point in terms of keeping his eyes downfield... He's one of the best. He's a lethal quarterback. If he breaks contain, if you're a secondary defender, you better keep an eye on your guy because Quentin Flowers will make you pay. I think the one thing that I look at when I look at this matchup offensively for San Jose State is when they need to run the football, they cannot become one-dimensional in this ballgame because if they can't run the football and they're put into third down and long situations, that's going to put pressure on their offensive line, Rich. This was one of the the worst offensive lines in the nation last year. 50 allowed sacks as a unit. There's experience there. But their inability to have consistency last year really hurt this offense.
1: And that's going to be a particular problem against this defense of South Florida. Again, they're they're... A little bit undersized, but very quick. Athletes from the state of Florida. It's a veteran unit. You now have uh, the fingerprints of Charlie Strong. He's going to be trying to redeem himself. We know that he's a defensive-minded coach. I think he'll have success with these kids right out of the gate. And again, you know, I, I think San Jose, will, San Jose State will be fired up. The crowd, I don't know. I mean, how many fans show up for this game? Probably not. As I mean, much as you miss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll probably be it'll probably be similar to uh, to McGurk Stadium. Um, but I don't know if they'll be fired up. And, and once San Jose State starts to get down, which I think will happen early, once you have, you know, Quinton Flowers will snap off a 17 or 18-yard touchdown run right through the San Jose State defense. South Florida will be able to pin its ears back. I don't know how Brent Brennan... Early 30s, first-time head coach. I don't know how he responds or how he gets his kids to respond in that kind of a situation. So I it's a long road trip. I don't know if South Florida will be pumped up as if it's a, an AAC game. I, I think this is a blowout. I really? I, I don't see it. I'm yeah. against you. I'm yeah. ag-
0: I think this is a very close game. I think when you have a young head coach, he's going to come out aggressive. He has nothing to lose. I mean, they're 22, 23-point underdogs in this matchup, yeah. and he has experience. So why not roll the dice? I think the one concern for Charlie Strong is you don't have game tape on Josh Love, so that's a concern from a defensive coordinator perspective in this matchup. And South Florida's defense, even though they're physical and athletic, they weren't very good in terms of uh, statistically. And I think that's the matchup that you have to see play That Temple game
1: is a prime example. I mean, South Florida should have been the American Athletic Conference champion last year. I I think they had no disrespect to the Temple Owls. I think South Florida had the best overall talent last year, but they got completely skunked. Right. By the Temple offense. We last said it year. last week yep. when
0: we broke it down. I, I thought South Florida was the best team, so did you, and, and they have the talent. Now, how much of a loss will Marlon Mack be to this offense? Again, we won't know until this game is played, and then we can make a determination and a breakdown on it. But I'll, I think San Jose State, they lose. But it is very close. I think, don't be shocked if South Florida's up 40 33 late in the fourth quarter and we're saying, wow, I can't believe it. I, I like South uh, uh, San Jose State plus the 22 and a half in this matchup. I'm,
1: I'm excited to have Gabe on uh, um, later because he will be the tiebreaker. <laughs> right, that'll it's going to be, be like it. a rubber match between that, well,
0: us. We, I can only wait for that. That's later. Next hour, we'll be breaking it down. Let's turn our attention to a rematch from last year Rice and Stanford. They played in Palo Alto. In November, uh, Stanford got the victory, forty-one to seventeen, in a rare, you know, rematch in Australia. Now, you look at the Stanford team, and I said it before in our Pac-12 breakdown. I am not sold on Stanford. I picked them at seven and five overall. They started last year in their first seven games. Rich, they were four and three against opponents with a combined overall record of fifty-seven and thirty-four. 626 winning percentage. They ran the table in the second half of the year, 6-0. and Those opponents were 27-46, and 393, 369, whatever it was. I'm just saying, like, I'm not sold on this 10-3 and team. Bryce Love takes over, 783 yards, three rushing touchdowns, but this was an offense that only had two games last year where they passed for over 200. Washington State and Oregon, I like Rice to keep this game close. Yeah, I, uh,
1: finally we agree. I mean, I, really? I, yeah, I, I think if there's a game in which you want to uh, take a large spread, I, I think this is it. And, and I'll tell you why. Rice and David David Bailiff has been at Rice for almost a decade. knows the program, knows the personnel, knows what buttons to push. Yes, the program has struggled, but. I like an experienced team going into this kind of an opener. Rice brings back a ton of starters on both sides of the ball. They do have to break in a new quarterback, which is a concern of mine, especially against a physical Stanford defense, which has an outstanding secondary but from the Stanford perspective, I like Bryce Love. Think he'll have a very good season as the feature back. But he is not Christian McCaffrey, so you begin life after McCaffrey number one, and number two. While I'm amazed at the recovery of Keller Chris, the quarterback who had a knee injury in the bowl game last year, it has made it all the way back miraculously. Didn't look like he was going to uh, start the season behind center, but he will in this game. But he's got to have some rust on him, so I'm a little concerned about the Stanford offense. Emmanuel Ellerby, that Rice defense is scrappy, undersized, but experienced. I think Stanford has some problems early on scoring points. I think it winds up being a relatively close game. Stanford wins. In the end, it'll be comfortable. But I think this is maybe a 14 or 17-point, somewhat lethargic, listless kind of victory for Stanford. Do
0: they really want to be there? Is the question that well, I. Well, and,
1: and I think that's a factor too, is that this game is in Australia. They, it's been treated like a bowl game. A lot of sightseeing, as they should down under. You know, David Shaw has been, uh, you know, hobnobbing with koalas uh, <laughs> down in Australia. So, you know, there is a bit of a distraction factor. This is not your typical Saturday in the fall. And I think Rice is going to be really jacked up for an opportunity to shock the world.
0: Well, I think if you're Stanford, you want to run the football and attack their secondary. Rice allowed 505 total yards to opposing offenses last year, 217 on the ground, 288 through the air. So if you are Keller, Christ and Bryce Love, you want to attack that defense not only on the ground but through play action. We'll see if that plays out. But on the flip side, if you're Rice, the way you beat Stanford, and this is why I'm not high on the Cardinal moving through Pac-12 play and really why I think they struggle in their Week 3 matchup against USC is the secondary. Over the last couple of years, Stanford has been suspect from teams stretching them vertically. They allowed 224 rushing uh, passing yards to opposing offenses. If Rice and have some success running the football, play action might be where Stanford gets caught and they could score some points in this ball. See,
1: I love the Stanford secondary do this you? year. I really do. Yeah. They, they weren't healthy last year, but Elijah Holder, Quentin Meeks, Justin Reed, I think you've got three next-level type players in the secondary. Now, do they get the support up front that they typically do? Do they have the pass rushers off the edge? I don't know. I, I like Harrison Phillips up front, but he's a defensive tackle. Right. He's not going to be somebody who comes around the edge and harasses quarterbacks. So, you know, the pressure that Stanford could generate is going to be a factor. Listen, I'm not. I'm not banking on Rice based on their ability to move the football because I don't think they're going to have a lot of success offensively. I'm a little more concerned about the Stanford offense and the rust that might be on that unit. You know, you'll get some big runs from Bryce Love, but that passing game with Keller Christ coming back from a knee injury, I think that could be a work in progress. So the veteran Rice defense against Stanford could keep it close for a while before before the Cardinal pulls yeah, away. Yeah, you mentioned pass rush.
0: Solomon Thomas, eight sacks, led that team last year, moves on to the NFL. If they can't generate a pass rush, third downs can be key for Rice. If they can convert and keep the ball moving in terms of first downs, time of possession – they can keep Stanford on the sidelines as well and keep this game at least into the fourth quarter. I think that's the matchup that you want to see play out in this ball game. Again, I don't think this is a high-scoring game in any way, shape, or form for two reasons. I think when you look at Stanford, they do play USC in week number three. They're not going to want to show a whole lot in that ball game against Rice so USC can plan for them. And I think the other thing is the emotional factor. I just don't think they're going to be into this ballgame. Even though it's week one, it's rice. And I think that's what you have to worry about. Yeah, I
1: agree. And just a side note, I mean, I think if I'm David Bailiff or David Shaw, I'm heading over to Pro Kick Australia, and I'm looking at the punters and the place kickers because that country has been just an absolute pipeline for sending quality punters to, college, to American college football. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going over and, and checking out Pro Kick Australia to see who's developing.
0: One I can remember was LSU's Brad Wing. Yeah. I think he's with New York Giants now. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Simonello, talking week one college football live from Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. On college football today Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We're showcasing week number one We gave our picks Rich, the game I'm looking forward to the most Is that Oregon State, Colorado State I really want to see the contrast in styles Which
1: team can dictate tempo You have your eye on one? yeah, I mean, to me, that's the most entertaining game. i I, I think we're looking at a Colorado State team that could win the mountain West, love the offense, really like what Mike Bobo's doing. I you know, Bobo is one of those coaches that, a uh, year, two years from now, could be back in a Power Five conference. Former Georgia offensive coordinator, so I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, but I'm also intrigued by Oregon State. You know, Gary Anderson slowly doing a good job. I enjoy watching Ryan Nall, the running back. But the other thing that I'm looking for is Stanford because Stanford is the highest profile team playing today. You know, it's Rice, so we're not going to be able to write the script on this just yet. But Keller Christ is a big part of this 2017 team. So I really want to see... How much rust does he have to shake off? Does he look like the quarterback that he did last year? And can he ignite a Stanford offense that too often in the past couple of seasons has been very stale?
0: And not to look ahead to the Week 3 matchup against USC, but Stanford after this game has a bye. And a lot of people are saying, well, that'll benefit the offense. And I disagree. I'll give you my reasons. When you have a bye, it can be either a benefit or a detriment for an offense or a defense. If it's later in the year and you need to get healthy, a bye is very beneficial. In the start of the year, especially after your week one matchup, when you're looking to uh, get continuity and cohesiveness as an offensive unit, I think that could hurt a quarterback and more importantly, an offensive line. And when you look at that week three matchup against USC, I think that could be a big factor in that ball game.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take. You 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 mentioned the offensive line of Stanford. You know, that that has been sort of the uh that's been the core. That has been the tagline of that program over the past few seasons, past couple of coaches with David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh. But last year the unit was just average. They did not do a great job. They did not send send someone to the all Pac 12 team for the first time in years. So that unit is going to have to gel. And and again, you know, Pac-12, we talk a lot about USC. We'll do that a lot this season. Washington is a defending champ. Joe and I really like Washington State. But is Stanford still a part of that equation? Is Stanford still a team that can compete? In the Pac-12 conference. On paper.
0: Because when you look on paper, they were 10-3. and 3, So a lot of people say, well, wow, this was a team that can compete for a Pac-12 title. A lot of people really like this team entering 2017. I don't see it. I think speed hurts this team. And I think that that's why they don't match up very well against USC along with the bye. And I think Sam Darnold could have a field day against that secondary. I mean, they were abused by Luke Falk and
1: Washington State in Palo Alto last year. Still not healthy, though, last year, Joe. I'm going to, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of Mm. ourselves. Sam Darnold versus the Stanford secondary is actually a pretty good matchup. Especially since I can't wait. Yeah, Darnold has Deontay Burnett, who I think will have a breakout year this season. But, you know, no juju this year. So the receivers are still a bit of a question mark. There's a lot of youth at that receiving core. And again, I can't say it enough. I, I think Stanford secondary. That Stanford defense will be top 10, top 12 in the nation this year in pass defense. I think another player
0: to look at is Michael Gallup from Colorado State. Can he put up numbers against the Oregon State secondary? Mm-hmm. I want to see that play out in Four Collins later That's tonight. That's
1: going to be a great game. I, I mean, that is a great way to kick off the season. You know, you got the beginning of college football, August 26th excellent game to start it with colorado state and oregon state in a new stadium by the way
0: i have a comment if charlie strong somehow some way lose, wow. loses this game <laughs> is he is is the pressure on i mean a lot of people that would be
1: devastating especially considering the pressure where the bar on, is set right now
0: unbelievable we're just getting started this is joe lisi ritz sermonella live from studio 34 keep it where it is we're coming right back